This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. House call for Isom. To college. The Dukes, that's, that's, baby. They're, they're going to win that game. If they don't, there's bigger problems. To the pros. Well, anything about Clayton, too. No. And that's why I like it. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Welcome in to the payoff on this terrific Tuesday. It's time for some matching later today. Uh. 7 o'clock, the best rivalry in the state of Michigan, CMU. Fire up, takes on the Western Michigan Broncos down in Kalamazoo. Best rivalry in the whole state, huh? Eh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> That's at the end of the show, though. We'll get to the Michigan Wolverines and the never-ending saga of the suspension. Is he going to get punished? Is he not? That's halfway through the show. But right now, I need to do a little check-in, maybe a check-up on all the Michigan State fans. Are you okay? Yesterday was tough. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and overreact to yesterday's game and say, well, Michigan State's in a ton of trouble. Michigan State's a fraud. No, no, no. We're not going to do that because that's ridiculous. Michigan State's going to be fine. Michigan State's going to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Michigan State's going to make the tournament. They'll take a hit in the rankings, sure. But there was a bigger problem yesterday than going one for 20 from behind the arc. Tom Izzo says in his press conference after the game that, oh, well, we shoot free throws before the game the day before every single, the day before every game. And we hit a team high 90% last night. You can blame the one for 20 on the loss as much as you want, but there's two things that this comes down to. You can't shoot 62% from the line. You shot 76% from the free throw line in 2022. And you missed 14 free throws last night. First of all, that can't happen. Second of all, Michigan State tends to, when they're in these close games, get away from what they're good at, which is team basketball. You move the ball around, you swing the rock, and you find the open shot. And more often than not, when they get in these close matchups, they rely on hero ball from someone who... I'm just going to be honest. He's not an NBA talent. He's not someone you want to give the rock to and say, everyone get out of the way. Tyson Walker is a great kid. He's a good basketball player. One of the best basketball players in the Big Ten. But he's not someone you want to give the ball to at the end of the games down the stretch and say, you know what? You're, you're our offense for the remainder of the game. And a lot of people are probably going to come at me for saying that because he had 10 points in the last five minutes of regulation. But in the four games Tyson Walker shot the most last year, the team went one and three. And yesterday he set another career high, both in points. He leads the nation with 35 and with field goal attempts. Got all the way up to 26. And to be fair, he had three field goal attempts in overtime. But you look at last year, 23 attempts versus Purdue, loss. 16 attempts versus Kansas State, loss. 22 field goal attempts versus Alabama, lost. The only time they won was when he had 17 field goal attempts versus Marquette. And in none of those games did he shoot above 50% from the field. He's not going to go 0 for 5. He's not going to never make a 3 again. 
Shot 41% last night. He's 39% on his career. 0 for 5 last night. My point is, Michigan State can't keep relying on Tyson Walker like he's going to be a first-round talent. They can't keep saying, oh, well, we have Tyson Walker. He's going to be our hero today. That's not Michigan State basketball. That's not Tom Izzo's brand. And every time that ends up being the style of basketball that they're playing down the stretch of games, they, more often than not, lose. And yesterday was no exception. And you can say James Madison was picked number one to win the, uh, the Sun Belt Conference. James Madison's a good team. But you're Michigan State. I don't at all want to hear, well, maybe this is a good thing that we lost early on in the season. Your Michigan State, at home, on opening night, you have to hold yourself to a higher expectation than that. Don't give me the, oh, well, maybe it's good we lost this early. Maybe it's a, a reality check for the team. Better than losing in March. That's a sorry-ass way to put an excuse for a loss last night. There's no reason you shouldn't beat James Madison. And I'm sorry, Michigan State fans. I, I get it. You can, think, you can think I'm coming at you for a lot of different things right now. But you have to agree with me. That is an unacceptable loss. For Tom Izzo and the Michigan State program. It made me look like an idiot. Because on this microphone yesterday, I was claiming this is going to be Tom Izzo's best season in a decade, basically. This team is good. It's filled with seniors. It's filled with experience. It's filled with shooters. And I know they went one for 20 last night on threes. That's not going to continue. In fact, that should make you almost feel a little bit better. If you hit three of those, you probably win the game. If you hit four more free throws throughout the course of the game, you win the game. But at the end of the day, you didn't. Congratulations to Tyson Walker, who has 35 points and leads the nation. But if Michigan State's going to go on some long run, it's not going to be because Tyson Walker's leading the nation in points. It can't be that way. What Michigan State has to do is stick to their brand of basketball. And yesterday, they didn't do that. And it was frustrating. For a lot of people. And Tom Izzo says right after the game, yeah, we, we shouldn't have won that game. They played better than us. Want to know why he said that? Because it's true. You're not going to go one for 20 from three the rest of the year. I know you lost Joey Hauser, who was second in the nation last year in three-point percentage. But Atkins and, and Tyson Walker both shot over 40%. Hogard, who has had quite the up and down in terms of his shooting, has doubled his volume and percentage basically every year he's been at Michigan State. Went from, not necessarily percentage, went from 16 to 21 to 33% in his career. And now in your last year, you have to ask him to step up and continue to increase that percentage. You don't have to be a 40% shooter, but get it up to 36. They're going to be all right. But if they're going to continue to rely on Tyson Walker down the stretch of games, who can score, he will come up clutch throughout the season. But don't get away from your, your bread and butter, which is team basketball, which is passing the rock, finding the open shot. No one on this team can be selfish. And I'm not calling Tyson Walker a selfish player. They drew up that play for him at the end of the game. Everyone else stood there still watching Tyson Walker dribble, watching him reject screens and try to go one-on-one. -on -one. It didn't work. You go into overtime and you lose. And none of this conversation is happening if Tyson Walker hits that shot at the end of the game. But he didn't. 
if Michigan State, like I said yesterday, is very capable, and if they want to go on a long, deep March run, it's got to be with what their style is. And that's cohesion. That's team basketball. That's selfishness. Selfishness. Is that a word? Selflessness. Selflessness. I, ben, I think you hit the nail on the head towards the end there. I love watching Tyson Walker play, and he is one of the best te- players in the Big Ten. But for a team that's senior-led, for your play to be, oh, ISO with your best player and everyone else stand like a statue, what's supposed to separate Michigan State from, like, just say a team like Kentucky that started all five freshmen last night, right? Mm-hmm. One and done strategy, and that's the landscape across college basketball. Why you're viewed and why you were picked to be the number four team in the nation was because there's a lot of familiar faces, which is a dying breed and a dying entity in college basketball. There's already chemistry with these guys. They went to a sweet 16 a year ago. Mm-hmm. James Madison was coming for him. A good, like again, Michigan state has to win 16 and a half point spread, but you know, James Madison's a, 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 a sunbelt favorite. It's not like they're a slouch, but it's a team you got to beat, but a team Michigan state shouldn't be afraid of because it's, we're built the same way. We're built like a team, not individual talents. And it felt like down the stretch last night that it was just Walker Bayless out here. And when you shoot one for 20, that's not going to cut it. Not that he shot a three at the end there, but Walker wasn't, you know, electric throughout the game. He at times had moments, but it was the last it's, five minutes of regulation. Yeah. That's what it was. It's just, and it was a really tough start to uh, two to just put yourself behind and then just really never find that rhythm defensively. It's, like we're not going to overreact and obviously leading with it. Cause it was a story today uh, everywhere. And I mean, you and I previewed it last night, but you made me we, look dumb. We didn't know <laughs> we no, we, not you, but uh, like Michigan yeah, state. They no, did. Yeah. I, I we, like, we didn't expect it to be, I, I wouldn't say we didn't expect it to be a game, but we didn't expect it to be, Oh, maybe James Madison stays with them in the first half, but shocker of all shockers. And I, and I know you don't want to hear this or you don't like when people brought this up to you already, but Michigan State's got to play every game like it's against Duke, you know, who, who they have in a, in a week and a half or so. Uh, but the Duke's got to give credit to James Madison, man. Well, and undefeated in football, by the way, too. Just a, a nice time to be uh, James Madison Duke. That campus is at an all-time high. Vibes are immaculate. immaculate. Undefeated football, undefeated basketball with, a top, uh, with the best win in the country. Yeah. Uh, I know we're only one game in, but... Who cares? It's fun. Yeah, but you're, but you're no, James but like, if 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 this was you know, oh, it's still football season in East Lansing. You said it yesterday. No, everyone shifted that focus. They're they're tired of right. watching the football team be honestly a national embarrassment, and they went to what should have been the safe haven of basketball, and embarrassment in a different sense on a national level. But a game at home, you shouldn't have lost. That that can't happen at home. And here's the thing: you play Southern Indiana, Indiana Southern, whatever their school name is. What is it? <laughs> I think it's Southern Indiana. All right. And then you play Duke. The but Dukies. you're already bleeding. You said you have to play every game like you're Duke. Yeah, you cannot show up. You can't. You know what? Actually, I think that's wrong. You can't treat every. You have to treat every team like they're Duke. You have to blow this next team out of the water. Southern Indiana. Don't let them hang around in the beginning. Take them out immediately. You're bleeding. And if Duke sees that you're still bleeding, they're coming at you. Neutral site in Chicago, they will be coming at your neck if they see vulnerability. If you don't respond here, being Michigan State against Southern Indiana, 
and you put up another performance where it was like, that was alarming. Duke is coming for your head. I don't want Michigan State to be a program this year that plays down to everybody and plays up to everybody. If you really want to be considered one of the best basketball teams in the nation, you got to start crushing teams. you got to start blowing teams out of the water. That's what you should have done yesterday. And I get it. It's James Madison. They picked to win the Sun Belt. I'm sure they'll be in the tournament come March. But you can't lose those games at home. That's the beauty about March Madness. All these games are neutral site. Anything can happen. At home? I mean, a lot of people, including myself, would consider the Breslin Center the best atmosphere in the Big Ten. And you're letting a Sun Belt Conference team come and beat you? Their season's not over. It's far from. But you can't rely... I guess if you're going to take away anything from the conversation... You can't rely on Tyson Walker. He can't be your hero ball because he's not a first-round NBA talent. That's not Michigan State's bread and butter. That's not the way Tom Izzo plays basketball. If you have anything else to say, I'll throw out the text line, 989-837-6125. Once again, 989-837-6125. We've still got Michigan. We've still got Red Wings. We've still got CMU versus Western to get to. And, of course, the Detroit Lions. All coming up in the next hour on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. All right, let's dive into it once again. The never-ending saga of the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, Big Ten. Here's what we've learned in the last 24 hours. NCAA has revealed their findings about Michigan to the Big Ten. The Big Ten has sent Michigan a notice of disciplinary action And Michigan has until tomorrow to respond to this. What we've also learned is Michigan is accusing Purdue, Rutgers, and Ohio State of communicating and stealing their signs. And the school's working together to basically get all the signs. A photo of all of Michigan's signals, what they mean, runner pass, was leaked on Twitter. Not leaked, but posted on Twitter. Day Walters and, just my voice, Day Walters and Chiano having a group chat, right? Is that yeah, what I'm sure. getting from this? Basically, sharing information about Michigan. Santa <laughs> Ono, the Michigan president, is ready to take legal action. If, I maybe, maybe when the Big Ten decides to lay down the hammer on Michigan Wolverines, and the most they can do is a two-week suspension and a $10,000 fine. Listen, here's where I'm at at this point, and then we'll dive into the J.J. McCarthy-Heisman stuff that's going on. If the Big Ten decides to not do anything tomorrow, If the Big Ten doesn't take a shot tomorrow, put your gun down and walk away for the season because you're just not going to do it. So if you've got some ammo, you better better show it tomorrow because if you don't, you're never going to do it. If you don't take your shot tomorrow, if you're the Big Ten, on Jim Harbaugh trying to suspend him, it's never going to happen because you're not getting rid of Jim Harbaugh for the Ohio State game. People will show up at the Big Ten's door ready to burn that building down. They will show up to Tony Petiti's house with pitchforks and axes on fire. It's just not happening. So if you're going to do anything, suspend him now, get him out of the building for Penn State and then Indiana, and then move, move on. That's where I'm at with it. You've got the opportunity to do it tomorrow. Big Ten gave Michigan until Wednesday to respond to their informative information, basically what they're alleged of doing. 
But I also think it's a little ridiculous that the NCAA is linking up with the Big Ten to basically get around their own rule. That they're not going to suspend Jim Harbaugh in the middle of the season until their findings are complete. But then they share the information with the Big Ten instead of the Big Ten doing their own separate investigation. And now the Big Ten's got ammo. Show us your ammo or put your gun down. That's where I'm at with it, John. Well, it's not directly, I think, a comparison where, oh, the networking, and I don't know the NCAA rule rule with it, and I'm sure it'll be coming out soon with this network of of sharing the signs. But all this helps is Michigan, man. All this other stuff of Michigan fighting back. And we we talked about it over the last couple of weeks, whether Michigan, you know, okay, they're going to prepare to fight back, but do they even have a fight in them. Like, oh, is there they got any, ammo. Yeah, and they do. They have a legitimate leg to stand on, which a couple of days ago, and obviously the story keeps evolving pretty much every day. There's something new to talk about and something new that, you know, we get alerted uh, about. But Michigan has has something to play with, where at the end of the day, if this becomes a wash for Michigan, a cancel out and offsetting penalties, it's a win. That's a win. <laughs> because people aren't going to remember it as uh as the first couple of weeks indicated where, you know, this is only Michigan doing it or doing it to this certain extent. And listen, I think the big 10 would tell you, well, they had this network and this group chat between those three coaches. Of course, I'm making that up by the way. We don't know how they communicated it, but they did that in defense because they felt Michigan had such a bigger advantage against them and a competitive balance. Um, but they did fight back as well, you know, and they fought back with themselves instead of going to the NCAA right away. That's what it sounds like to me, right? Yeah. It, Where you could have, all right, instead of fighting back in the moment, going to the NCAA, but because, and probably smartly, those schools in the Big Ten feel, well, what's going to help us on Saturday isn't an NCAA investigation and them getting their ducks in a row. It's going to be us trying to help each other out to keep our head above water. It's just so frustrating that to find out all the Big Ten coaches complaining to Tony Petiti in the Zoom call, just to find out half of them are also doing the same thing. And I get it. Like, I'm not trying to say Michigan's not guilty of anything. Jim Harbaugh will be suspended. I don't think that's even a question at this point. When he's suspended is the question. And if it's not tomorrow, it's not going to be this season. And if it's tomorrow, get ready for some lawsuits to come from Santa Ono. Because you don't have actual presentable things to tell Michigan why Jim Harbaugh's been suspended. And that's kind of the whole thing Santa Ono has basically threatened the Big Ten about. Saying, listen, you haven't done your entire process yet. This would be against your own rules to suspend Jim Harbaugh in the middle of the season. I don't think he's innocent. But I think this is an unfair trial. And granted, Michigan has... Played unfair for three straight years. But if they go out and beat the crap out of Penn State with or without Jim Harbaugh, with or without Connor Stallions, doesn't that kind of show that the players are kind of taking this to heart? Because a lot of people, the noise is, this team can't win without stealing signs. This team can't win without cheating. You don't think the players are even more motivated to go win than ever? You don't think the players are playing with their reputation and livelihood on the lines, essentially. Everyone in the country's coming at him. Stephen A. Smith's out here saying, there's no way Jim Harbaugh should be coaching. That's your Stephen A.? Not really. But it's true. Everyone's coming at these guys. They're ready to go. 
And which brings me to my next point, which is if these guys are ready to go, these guys are being punished for things they didn't do. That's where I've always stood with this. These players can't be the ones to be punished. And there are people openly saying right now they will not under any circumstances be voting for J.J. McCarthy to win the Heisman or even be a finalist, even be put on the ballot. To me, that's awful to, first of all, the student, the 22-year-old, the 20-year-old J.J. McCarthy, who's done nothing wrong. Has he benefited from this? Perhaps. And right now he's sitting at like seventh in the Heisman odds anyways, plus 1,800 with three guys, uh, six guys ahead of him. He's not going to be a finalist right now. But to say in this moment in time, there's simply nothing J.J. McCarthy can do to get onto the Heisman ballot in my eyes at Greg Doyle. That's absurd because he still has games to play against Ohio State and Penn State. And in those two games, he will not be benefiting from the sign stealing. They won't, they won't be stealing signs. Promise you that. I can't promise you a lot of things as to what's going to happen with this whole case, this ongoing investigation that seems to have a new twist every day. But what I can promise you is with Michigan under a microscope, they will not be sign stealing the remainder of this season. So if J.J. McCarthy goes and balls out about, against the two best teams on the schedule, two of the 10 best teams in the country in Penn State and Ohio State, how can he not, under any circumstances, be a Heisman candidate? That's where I have a problem with this. Maybe he had some sort of advantage against all these terrible schools, but it's not like he put up crazy stats anyway. I mean, if the mailman drops a bomb at someone's front porch, is the mailman going to be punished or the guy that sent the bomb? The mailman's just doing his job. J.G. McCarthy's just doing his job. And being the quarterback, it's not like, you know, okay, well, the ball's being run here. Let's slant inside. No, that, that's not what the quarterback's job is. Maybe you know the coverage and the, the play is designed to beat that coverage, but you still have to go through your reads and make the right throw. I don't think it's fair for J.J. McCarthy to be punished on Jim Harbaugh's behalf when it comes to the Heisman. Do you? It, it's tough. I, I Definitely going against the player, I think, is is the only course of action these writers have. I don't think it's the right course of action by any means, but for the writers to make a point of, well, we do think this matters and it is under investigation, unfortunately, and we've talked about this, if the punishment were to come in season, it's really only affecting the players. It's really only affecting this team because if all goes to hell, Harbaugh's out, right? He has a safe haven. It's been this way with college uh, college athletics for a long time. If the ship's coming down, coach can get out of it. Players can't. No, they can. Well, they can to a certain extent with the travel, por- uh, the transfer portal, and everything like that. But this season. Michigan's trying to win a national title with these distractions and distractions not brought upon themselves again. And we don't know the severity of this and it'll probably come out after the season more. And uh, you know, when it's further investigated into how much the players knew, but it wasn't a player's idea to enact the sign stealing stuff. They're just getting the information from their coaches and playing the best of their ability. Let's and maybe they know, okay, it's, it's coming from this source or they're actually doing this. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. And no, neither do the writers. What, what we do know is these players love Harbaugh. 
There's not a ton of media access to these players. I think they do that on purpose right now. But every time they get in front of a podium, all they have is phenomenal things to say about Jim Harbaugh. Every single time they bow down to him. They love him. They love him as a leader. They repeatedly say there's no one they'd rather coach for. Let's hit the text line. We'll move on. Hit some lions. Uh, Dwayne again. I'm a retired. This is going to be good, John. I'm a retired Navy sergeant. And I think, uh, and I think like I said, all these teams, including OSU fear Michigan, Ryan day is scared of Michigan and doesn't want to play Michigan because he knows his job is potentially on the line. If he loses to blue Michigan, will use this as ammo and beat Ohio (laughs) state by 30. It's veterans day this week. And I would love nothing more than Brian branch Jersey. Oh, this we're switching gears. Um, then a Brian branch Jersey and to see the lions make it to the super bowl. Maybe you guys can get this veteran, um, to his first lion's day someday or a JJ Jersey, <laughs> LOL, go blue, go lions. I love your sports show fellas. Hey, oh, look at that. Dwayne. Uh, hopefully. I mean, we, we have to obviously pull some strings with, uh, with tickets and stuff and giveaways every Thursday, but you know, with the lions playoffs that, that may, maybe down the line, we have a giveaway with, with everyone. And who knows, who knows that that's the goal. Obviously more giveaways coming. Cause we did, we did one every uh, Thursday in the first month of our show here in October. I, I promise. For the rest of the audience, I didn't know how that text ended. I didn't know he was going to compliment us like that. Oh, yeah? I, 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 I was just simply reading what was coming in. And again, you guys can text in, join the conversation, 989-837-6125. Let's switch gears and hit some Lions next on the payoff. So, More of the Great Lakes Bay Region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. All right, let's hit the text line, and then we'll hit some Detroit Lions stuff. From Jalen, JJ could care less about the Heisman or individual awards, like he said. JJ wants the Natty, and we will win it. I don't. Uh, I don't want no one to be cruci- to crucify JJ or jump on the bandwagon. We don't want you. Michigan will destroy anyone, anytime. Oh boy, Michigan is going to destroy Penn State by twenty plus, and the Chump Eyes by thirty. Plus. I've never heard of the Chump Eyes. That's a good one. I don't think they're going to blow Ohio State out of the water by any means. The Chump Eyes, though. What about the Chump Eyes? Maybe the chump eyes. I think that's going to be a bloodbath. That's going to be the dirtiest. That game is already dirty. There's what? dirty hits. Michigan, Ohio State. Oh. I know you're not from around here. I'm not. But John, I this, watch it this, every year though. But this yes. game gets brutal. <laughs> These two teams. This is going to be the worst of them yet. On top of everything, what's mm-hmm. being forgotten is these are two of the three best ranked teams in the country. This could be one versus two. This could be one versus three. Yeah. We, on top of all the allegations, this is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to get nasty. I think it's going to be a great game. One score. I don't, I don't think anyone's blowing anybody out. Mm. All right. Moving on. Let's hit the pros. Let's do Detroit it. Detroit Lions coming off a bye. I, I was talking to John. What are, let, let's work some Lions into the show today. And what we came up with was... What remaining questions do we still have about this Detroit Lions team halfway through the NFL season? So, John, you've got some questions. Oh, I do. I mean, listen, we watched last night the opponent this week for the Lions, the Chargers, on Monday Night Football. One say, even in what was a blowout win, it was the most impressive uh, display by the Chargers. The Jets' defense is for real. It's just the Jets' offense uh, couldn't move the ball to save their life. So... Uh, first question off the bat is the pass rush, because that was my biggest takeaway last night, right? The Chargers pass rush got to Zach Wilson. And okay, the Jets offense and Zach Wilson is a different entity and not really close to the Lions offense and Jared Goff this season. But when the Jets 
had chances to move the ball, especially in that third quarter. They couldn't do it because of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. So is the Lions pass pass rush right now, in your opinion, enough to win playoff games? Another situation from this weekend, the Eagles won that game at home against Dallas secured by their pass rush. Right. That sack doesn't happen, and Dak makes a play because he was making them all game long. Whether you want to hate on him or not, he was, and that's a different outcome, but the pass rush got to him. Cowboys couldn't respond after that, and the Eagles got away with the victory. So right now, is currently constituted, is the Lions pass rush enough? The Lions pass rush is 19th, according to PFF. They're 17th in sacks. Here's the thing. Last year, at the end of the regular season, Kansas City and Philadelphia were one and two. The Rams were third in sacks. The Bucks were fifth in sacks. You have to be able to get to the quarterback to beat good teams deep into the playoffs. And right now, I just don't see it. Aiden Hutchinson's been good. Aiden Hutchinson has not been great. And the Lions have not gotten to the quarterback against elite teams, against quarterbacks who can move. So right now, I'd say no, they're not good enough to win multiple playoff games. There you go. Okay, multiple playoff games. The other uh, element of this, and I think something that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, is Jared, Co- Jared Goff uh, really overcoming obstacles, right? You return to that, what was that, the game against uh, Baltimore and the wind, and obviously you want to forget that game from all different perspectives. But... Goff was definitely altered because of the conditions. So whether it be the conditions, whether it be pressure from a pass rush, and he's going to have to face a really good one this week, Bosa and Mack on both ends. And I think the Lions offensive line is going to be healthier than it's been, but it's not going to be a hundred percent there. No, it is. It's going to be a hundred percent there. All good. Okay. Well, if there are obstacles, the pass rush is just working against his O line Can Jared Goff overcome it. Jared Goff's going to be able to overcome a lot of things. We saw it Mm. in Green Bay. He can overcome an early interception. He can shake that off. What he can't overcome is these crazy weather games. Yeah. What he can't overcome is constant pressure from the defensive front. If he's getting blitzed left, right, doesn't know where it's coming from and is getting hit early on in the game, Mm -hmm. it's going to be real. There's the music. It's going to be real tough for Jared Goff to consistently, you know, play the rest of the game with under pressure. That's what we know about him. He can overcome some mistakes. He can get out of his own way. I mean, we saw him respond to that pick six on Monday Night Football, continue to play well. But it's the weather, and it's this getting hit all game. It's just not going to work because he can't move. He's a stiff quarterback. He's probably one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the league, and that's just what he is. So you got to protect him. Niners were on the bye this week uh, like the Lions were, so we really didn't get to see him another weekend of the season. But they've been reeling a bit, you know, and Purdy may not be the guy that people thought. The Eagles, well, at home, they took care of Dallas. Are the Lions at that tier? Are they at the Eagles 49ers tier? Because we've talked about this. Uh, Coming into this week, obviously, we'll see in terms of a a good opponent against the Chargers that I wouldn't call a toss-up game, but obviously it's not going to be an easy one to win uh, for Detroit, even though they're favored now after uh, they were underdogs to begin the week. But do you put them through what is the first nine weeks on the same level as the Eagles or the 49ers, or are they that tier below. No. They're not on the same tier. Maybe if they had Chase Young. Wow. Oh, and you know what team now has Chase Young? What team? Ho-ho! The 49ers. Oh. Moving on. All right. Well, you got, I wouldn't say the best mobile quarterback because you already had to play him and Lamar Jackson, but Herbert has the ability to extend plays, to move. Detroit did not do too well against the mobile quarterback in Lamar. It's really the only one I could think of unless you have one off the top of your head who is really able to move. I mean, Ritter can, but he didn't really do anything against uh, 
against I the mean, Lions to begin the season. And I, and Gino can, but he doesn't really do it a lot. He's more of a pocket quarterback. Um, but can the Lions consistently stop quarterbacks who could extend plays, mobile QBs? The only way the Lions are going to be able to overcome this challenge of mobile quarterbacks is if Aaron Glenn changes his approach. Right now, the approach has always been against these mobile guys, Gino, Baker, um, Mahomes, Lamar. The approach is keep them in the pocket. Don't let them escape. Don't let them get on the run and extend plays. And they're doing that by only sending four guys, basically saying, hey, four, you four guys, we're just going to let this guy sit in the pocket and destroy us. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't worked out. Lamar, Mahomes, Gino, all three combined, we've gotten one. We got one sack on those guys combined. One. Lamar, Mahomes, Gino. We got to those guys once. You have to dial up some blitzes and actually try to bring the quarterback down rather than just contain him. So if they're going to keep doing this, that's not going to work against Jalen Hurts. Got to change something. Got to send someone else, some additional pass rusher. Because like we talked about earlier, they don't have a good enough pass rush to do it on their own. How could I forget about my Mahomey, Patrick Mahomes, by the way? That's my bad. I, I agree with you. I agree. I, <laughs> they're going to have to change up something. And again, maybe another elite pass rusher on the edge would have helped. But, you know, we are where we are. Uh, next one, and this is something I told you weeks ago. Don't write off Minnesota. Don't write off Minnesota. And I think even last week when Kirk Cousins got hurt, everyone wrote off Minnesota, did right? Again. But they just keep winning. Dobbs came in via the trade, and he worked his magic this past weekend. Do the Lions have the NFC North on lock yet? Because uh, after a couple, the first couple of weeks, it already felt like that. I know, I know. And don't get me wrong, Josh Dobbs is a downgrade over... Kirk Cousins. He is. Like, it's as simple as that. But he might be a pretty good quarterback. He's been on three teams now, and all three times he's looked very capable of being a starter in the NFL, or at least one of the best backups in the league. The Lions are 0-5 against Minis- at Minnesota the last five years. They only have four wins at Minnesota in the last 20 years. They still have to play him twice. Listen, there's a scenario if the Lions lose to the Chargers and the, and the Minnesota beats the Saints on the road, which I guess is semi-realistic. Maybe like, I don't know, I give that like a 15%, 20% chance of all that happening. Okay. They're only a half game out with three, two games against Detroit to go. So no, I don't think the Lions have this NFC North locked up yet. We'll get into the nitty gritty. How about this offense in the red zone? That sort of stalled out in the last couple of uh, weeks. 12.5% in the last five games. Do you think there's got to be creativity and juice in this Ben Johnson offense? Because... It has not been too effective in the red zone. Yeah, it's been worst in the NFL over the last three weeks. Bad, like by a considerable margin. Uh, but Dan Campbell addressed this at the press conference earlier this week, or mm-hmm. yesterday, I should say. Okay. I trust Ben Johnson to get this done. I trust him to take a step back, examine what's going on, because we've seen him change a lot of things before. Uh, we've seen him change his approach, change his schemes. And if he notices something like, obviously they're looking into this. It's not like they're just rolling into this week with that being a problem. If Dan Campbell's addressed it, I think I I trust Ben Johnson enough to get this job done, to change something or else he's probably going to be our offensive coordinator again. You can't, you can't be 12.5% in the red zone the rest of the season. You can, you do inject Donovan Peoples Jones into this offense. There's what seven games to go now. After the bye week, mm-hmm. what do you put DPJ's over under for touchdowns? Ooh, uh, two. Okay, I feel like that's I a modest. That's yeah, that's a modest. Implement modest. him into the offense. Yeah. 
All right, and then final one. Does Jameson Williams score a touchdown? Another touchdown. He has one. Does he score another touchdown this season? Yeah. Oh, I think really? He probably has like under 10 catches the rest of the year, but one of those is bound to be a, a deep ball touchdown. Okay. So you have, you have faith in one more JMO. He's up to a one-to-one ratio in drops and catches. <laughs> the same number in his career. Kind of, kind of an incredible stat there for you. That's hard to do, John. To have the same number of catches and drops, that's, that's a tough and tall task to do. You know what? That's what a first-round pick does, man. He gives you stats that you get to talk about, you know? Oh, but others, you know, are usually give you good stats, like uh, game-winning touchdowns, like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right, yeah. Or, uh, I don't know, just not being a waste of space in the Lions' offense. Thanks, John. All right. <laughs> that's enough Lions. Had to throw that curveball. We'll get into uh, the Chargers a little bit more oh, down the line, yes. down the week. We'll also get into Michigan-Penn State a little bit more, do some game previews with there. Until then. We got some Red Wings action tonight. Oh, yes, we do. The first place Islanders, right? Second oh, place? The New York Rangers, buddy boy. Oh, Ra- I'm so sorry. It's the Rangers oh. tonight. Um, and then Central versus Western. Yeah, that's it's all game. coming up on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The payoff continues. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. I got my uh, my New York hockey teams mixed up before the break, John. I mean, pretty this guy much came out of the the production room during the break and was ready to throw hands with me. Oh for getting yeah, them mixed up. no, it's very it's very inexcusable. I am very inexcusable, especially because the Rangers are having a heck of a year. So, right, defending Madison Square Garden very well, and they've been on quite a streak. And this has all been on the road, and now they're back home with the guard. And they're taking on the wings tonight. This is a big one. It is big implications for the standings early on in the season with this game. Yeah, I, national TV, you got to love NHL.com saying there's like six different ways to watch it. There are. Uh, TNT. Rangers, TNT is where it's going to be on the national uh, window there. Rangers 8-2-1, and one, and for this Detroit Red Wings team, 7-4-1. Of course, the Red Wings just ended the Boston Bruins' uh, 10-game point streak. That was on Saturday. They won 5-4 at the LCA. Uh, they're trying to do the same again, a Rangers point streak. The Rangers had a long winning streak. Uh, it's now a point streak, which means, all right, yeah, they're one or you lost in overtime. But the Rangers haven't lost in regulation since October 19th uh, to the Nashville Predators. So this has been a really strong Ranger team that doesn't have Adam Fox, their best defenseman. He has a lower body injury. In between the pipes tonight is or is not Igor Shosturkin because he uh, is day-to-day with soreness. So they're going to have to put in veteran Jonathan Quick, who used to be one of the best goalies in the NHL, but he's now nearing the age of 40. So Detroit's looking to take advantage of that. And Philip Heedle also not uh, involved for the Rangers. On the Red Wings side, Larkin, they thought maybe, maybe not. He is going to play tonight. So in my opinion, Ben, this is an not an easy one for Detroit to take, but this is a you winnable game. Don't say game. those words. You're cur- I know what you're doing right now. <laughs> it's I a know winnable exactly game. what you're doing. It- he's a Rangers fan. He's saying, oh, he's doing the, the classic Skip Bayless. He's th- this is It's what a winnable Skip, game. This is what Skip always used to do with LeBron. He should get 30 tonight. And then when he doesn't, <laughs> it's like, I even said he. this is exactly what you're doing. I, I know your games. I know your it- tactics. You're saying, oh, the Red Wings should win. And then you're going to come in tomorrow if they don't and be like, the Red Wings sting. My Rangers. <laughs> The Red Wings have Huso between the pipes tonight. Listen, the Rangers are still favored, right? And the Vegas odds, if you were to look at it, the Rangers are still favored. They're at home. They're on uh, the Madison Square Garden ice tonight. But I think Detroit, the way they've competed against great teams, you can win this game tonight. You can. And again, a national window. A great stat with Detroit, by the way. They lead the NHL right now, and they've played 12 games. 
and most teams have either played from 10 to 13. The most third period goals, mm. 20 third period goals. I mean, that's, that's great. You, you score at the end of games. You score in the final period when you have to. Uh, and they're fourth in total goals across the National Hockey League. And another thing, and again, we're still so early in the season, but Boston's the top team in the Atlantic. The Rangers are the top team in the Metropolitan. But Detroit with a win tonight, second best team in the East overall. They tie the Rangers in points if they could get a regulation win tonight against the Rangers. So it, an exciting game and all, I'm not going to say all things, but at least the health in, is going in Detroit's favor um, of some big sp- players. Speaking on the... The third, the third period goals. Yeah. It really just feels like no matter what the score is, they still got a chance to get back in this thing. Because we've seen it many times. Like, they're down 3-1. They're down 4-1. And they will get to overtime. And you mentioned it. Like, getting to overtime and getting that point is such a huge deal. Because yep. when you're down 1-3 in the third period, maybe you're not winning that game, but you got to get a point in the standings. Because that kind of stuff will come back to get you or benefit you later in the season in April. I, I mean, that's been the difference already through the opening gates for Detroit. I mean, you go all the way back in, in what was a tough loss, but you know, you, you go back to that Kraken loss back on the 24th where, yeah, they lost in overtime and it stung and it was a home loss against a Kraken team that really didn't have things figured out, but you were down three, one going into that third period. Right. And you managed to get a point on it. And that's something the Red Wings didn't do last year. They sort of folded in third period. So the fact you can get points, it all adds up at the end of the year. And right now, Detroit is sitting pretty second in the Atlantic division. Well, so we'll, we'll see what they could do against the top team in the Metro tonight. Well, what they're also 730 doing... 7.30 puck drop, by the way. What they're also doing that's kind of bothering me, though, is, is they, they're fifth right now in the league in penalties. And it's been killing them. Like, multiple times in the, in the third period, they... They give up a penalty, and then they allow the other team to do exactly what the Red Wings have been so good at all season long by getting the team into overtime. You got to start. Like, I get it. You're Detroit. You have this mentality. Like, that's it's just the brand. The Eminem goal song. Have you heard that, by the way? Yes. Have you heard their goal song? Awesome. I love it. Just that. incredible stuff. That atmosphere seems so fun. I got to get down to a Wings game this year. But if they, they can't keep losing games or, you know, letting teams get back into it by penalties, you got to clean that up. All the all these teams that are sitting at the top, besides it's the Bruins and Wings, and then it's a bunch of eh, teams because good teams don't get penalized that much. No, it's a fact. It's a fact, Jack. Got to clean that up. We'll see. And both teams, by the way, very strong power play units. So the I would say, I mean, again, maybe basic analysis, but the more disciplined team tonight. Uh, you, you don't want to give this Rangers power play any ammunition, and then Detroit's power play. You've seen it, Ben. It's it's, it's, it's been it's been like a video game at times this year. So uh, yeah, real really intrigued for this game tonight and getting the national window because yeah, original six matchup between these two teams, New York, Detroit, a lot of you know history between these two teams and uh, really really strong starts out of the gate. Let's hit the text line and then we'll move over to what I teased as the best rivalry in the state of Michigan. Yeah, of course. Uh, text line Jalen or Jay from Gladwin says. A week ago, I said, let's win the division before we think about a playoff run. You guys said the Lions had the North wrapped up. Now Josh Dobbs has you nervous. What gives? No, you know what? Jay makes a salient point here. Well, a very epic point. I, I Listen, Jay, you, you got to take my word on it, to be honest with you. Ben, I told you how yeah, many weeks ago about the Vikings. But, that, they were, that they were just lurking. Well, now, back when they were two and five. But I'll be honest, and Jay, you're right, never said that on air. Never said it on air. But the Vikings... We're one in four at one point. Like, <laughs> they were, like I, yeah. Sorry for writing them off. I didn't know they were going to rattle off four wins in a row, including wins 
you know, on Monday night football against San Francisco, yeah. uh, against Green Bay, against Atlanta, would you like, and then Kirk Cousins goes down, tears his ACL. I'm like, oh, we don't have to worry about anything. Then they make the trade for Josh Dobbs, who's been how how would you Electric describe? Yeah, just was incredible on Sunday, like just marching the team down the field, winning the game. And I, again, I think Josh Dobbs is downgrade from Kirk Cousins, of course. But yeah, when sorry that when when they when they were one and four, I I didn't I I was writing them off. I'm sorry that when who, what's their backup's name? Jay Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall, yeah. Yeah, who started the game against Atlanta this Sunday? I didn't believe didn't, in that guy at all. Either. He didn't look bad either, and then he just got hurt. But well, yeah, then he got concussed. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Dobbs. He didn't look terrible. Josh Dobbs might be the story of the week. He didn't yeah. take a snap. He no. didn't take a single snap with the practice squad, or or the right like he didn't take one practice rep, or know anyone's name, or had the playbook memorized. Yet still went out and won a football game. Maybe quarterbacking is not as as hard as people make it out to be. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Or the fact that he's a literal rocket science. Because of all the the backups we've got to see are definitely, you know, making that a fact that, yeah, quarterbacking (laughs) is easy. Tommy DeVito is making quarterbacking (laughs) look easy in New York. You're right. No, good good point, Ben. Uh, Maybe it's the fact that he's actually a rocket scientist. Dobbs that yeah. he figures oh, yeah. it out pretty fast. No, he, he, Dobbs is a smart guy, and, and he he's been you know he's been in the NFL longer than you think too. He he served as a backup in Cleveland, actually a third string in Cleveland, uh, and people there were just begging for him to get some reps when Brissett just you know wasn't winning games at that time. Went to Arizona this year, and and obviously Arizona's record speaks for itself, but they weren't losing games because of Dobbs. Uh, their defense is atrocious, no, and they no. just don't have enough. They just don't have enough skill position, and they. Did establish the run with James Conner, but then he got hurt. So, yeah, Dobbs can turn this Viking team around. All I right, I really think that. All right, let's oh, let's do this. CMU best rivalry in the state. CMU Maybe up behind, in Kalamazoo, baby. The only thing this might be behind is uh-huh. Grand Valley versus Fair State. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to consider, oh, what about Midland Dow, bro? Oh, that's a good one too. Come on. But if if you want to consider Michigan, I mean, jokes aside, Michigan versus Michigan State is obviously the best one, but it doesn't feel like. 20, is it a 25 point spread and you didn't even cover? It wasn't even close. You can score a touchdown at home. So yeah, that, that rivalry feels a little stale right now. It feels one sided as it should. Whereas you look at this, uh, this Western Michigan central Michigan rivalry. Oh, this has juice to it every year, man. Because the funny thing about central Michigan is no one, no one cares if they make a bowl game, whether or not they're playing in the quick and lanes bowl in Ford field in December, no one really cares. None of the students are going to that game. The, the team at most is going to finish with like six to seven wins every year. But what they do care about is beating this Western Michigan team. And it makes this game so fun. I can tell you from experience, John, this is such an electric and underrated rivalry. Uh, people fired up for it. I mean, we got text yesterday after the show being like, Oh, let, let's talk a little action this week. You know, some big games, big games across the Mac. And, you talked about for the bowls, you know, CMU wins and then they do get into a bowl. Not that that matters, but you want to finish with a winning season. And then if you're central Michigan or if you're West Michigan, you have to win out. If you want to even have a 500 record, of course you want to beat your rival, but there's also that at play where it's like, Hey, let's be respectable. CMU has a chance tonight to give uh West Michigan, well, Western Michigan, a losing season, which I'm sure even adds more fuel to fire that regardless of what, uh, the Broncos do in their final two games. 
If they lose to CMU tonight, it's a losing season in 2023. Yeah, it's always a worst, one of the worst just, feelings to be rooting for a team that just has no post. Not that like bowl <laughs> games matter that much anymore. That matter that much anymore these days, with mm-hmm. especially going to a 12 team playoff. But when you're a school like the MAC, who's not competing for a national championship or anything, yeah, it it does matter. Yeah, Central Michigan is a three point underdog tonight in Kalamazoo. Ooh. The road team has dominated the series in uh, the last decade. They've uh, seven of the last ten games been the road team this is going to be fun um i can't wait you're excited. Uh, you know, where, where are you going to be watching this game ben my apartment ah. um yeah i'll have that up i'll have the wings up it's going to be a fun night it is oh i'm sorry the road team has won six of the last seven games you got to go bring that victory cannon back for those who don't that's, know that's what they play yeah educate me yeah okay so Wise one the the victory cannon okay both of these stadiums uh have a have a cannon a touchdown cannon. Big loud boom. Scares the piss out of me every <laughs> single time it goes off. And they also play for a trophy called the Victory Cannon. Now, sure. right now, it remains in Kalamazoo. Uh-huh. Central Michigan's going down to Kalamazoo, and they're going to take it back. It's as simple as that. And then where does where does CMU keep it if they ha- if they possess it? Probably in their little football facility. All right. no I'm sorry, one, I thought no, there no, might be a place. No regular students are allowed to uh, uh You to don't even in. get to see it, huh? No. Oh, they wouldn't let... They wouldn't let normal folk into that building. Those are, those are for the athletes and Connor stallions. Oh, anyway, <laughs> no, but that's another day. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one's on ESPN tonight. Maction. Uh, no better way to, to close out a Tuesday than watching a game. That's most definitely going to result in a score of like 45 to 48, just pure offense in the Mac. John, I'm looking forward to it. I no. got, I got some college hoops tonight. Got the wings and, uh, got a little CMU. Alrighty. It's been a fun show. We'll dive back into the Lions tomorrow. We'll get back in. I'm sure they'll be developing things with the whole Michigan scandal. Like I said, it's time for the Big Ten to shoot their gun or put it down and walk away. Make a move tomorrow, suspend Harbaugh, or forget forget it. It's just not happening this year. We'll dive back into it tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope the payoff was worth it. From the Blazy Electric Studios, this is Sports Radio 100.9 The Mitt, WLUN, Pinconning Bay City, Saginaw Midland.